What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as usual, recapping the weekend that was. We actually still have one game um, going on right now um, as Mercer, excuse me, as Jacksonville leads Mercer 16-4 to um, in the final period of play. Um, a bit to go there. Uh, Sean Goldsmith back for Mercer, but uh, Jacksonville continuing to look like the third best team in the conference in the SoCon. Um, and then we had Bryant take down Wagner 18-5 to earlier on this Sunday. And on Saturday, we had much of the same um, blowout after blowout after blowout. Um, and so because of that, and we did have some good games. Uh, it wasn't all blowouts. Did have some really good games. But um, because of that, I'm going to approach this weekend recap a bit differently. Um, we're only going to go over really two games, three at best in depth. Um, and then I'm just going to kind of do a little bit of a, you know, we're here kind of mid-season um, for most teams. Obviously, um, you have some teams that only have two games under the belt, some teams with eight. It, it, it's a whole mess. Um because of how this year's had to be scheduled and everything like that. Uh, obviously, some teams conference only, as you know. It's it's a difficult year to gauge talent um, across the landscape. Uh, within conferences, certainly much easier. Um, so what I'm going to do, we're going to go over a couple games. And then we're going to kind of look at... What did we learn this weekend? And honestly, you know, the majority of what we learned this weekend was in the Big Ten, just as it has been um, the past few weekends with the ACC mostly playing SOCON blowouts, um, non-conference blowouts in the ACC. I mean, we had Carolina beat Air Force 15-5. Notre Dame took down Cleveland State 19-5. Yeah, that's UACC action. We will talk about um, Virginia and Robert Morris as that one was a pretty good one. Uh, so we'll talk about that one, and we'll talk about uh, Michigan-Penn State and the Delaware Towson game. But other than that, we're just kind of going to kind of go not conference by conference, but look at a couple teams and say, okay, what have we learned um, this weekend, uh, you know, where things stand. So um, Penn State and Michigan. Michigan, as I alluded to on Thursday's podcast, was very capable of 
pulling off, and I'm air quotes here, the upset. Um, this was not an upset any by any you know, means of the word. Um, Michigan took down Penn State 14-12. Career high 17 save performance from John Kirchhoff. Uh, Kirchhoff in cage. Five goals from Bryce Clay. Josh Zawada had four and one assist for five points. Nick Rollett, uh, really good day from him again at the faceoff. Dot 17 for 28, 61% there at the dot to lead Michigan. Mac O'Keefe had a hat trick, and Colby Kinnise made 11 saves. Gerard Arcelli, um, I think won about 50-ish percent, um, I want to say, at the dot. I uh, don't have the full stats in front of me right here, just some ones that I've written down. Um, and yeah, I mean, Penn State pulled out to, to, to a uh, 2-0 lead early. Michigan is able to make it 4-2, a Wolverines lead. Um, and this was a game of runs. Um, you, you had, obviously, Penn State had that two-goal run early. Michigan strikes back and takes the lead midway through the first. Um, Penn State strikes back and goes on a five-goal run uh, that helped them tie things up four to end the first and then take a narrow seven-to-six lead heading into the half. Michigan comes out. Um, they got two consecutive in the final um, 230 of the, of the first half from Zawada and Clay. And that kind of sparked some energy um, w- within that Michigan squad. And they came out of half, um, and they were able to outscore Penn State 5-2 to two in the third alone, 7-2 to two, uh, from 230, from the 230 mark in the second quarter through the third. Um, and then... Penn State was able to cut it to 11 to 10, but Michigan again just continued to answer and they get the 14 to 12 victory there. A really, really big win for Michigan here. Coming off of that loss against rival Ohio State and Michigan coming up, they've got Ohio State again. And I'm circling that one, man. Um, it was a 13-10 game last uh, last week. Um, I guess two weeks ago now. Uh, and so they, I mean, it was close. It was a close game. It was a good game. I still think Ohio State probably beats Michigan. But we could, instead of a three-goal game, it's a one-goal game um, situation maybe. Hey, maybe Michigan can pull the upset. Um, Ohio State is coming off of a loss um, against Maryland where Maryland clearly looked like the better team as they are the better team. They're the head and shoulders best team in the Big Ten, um, a, you know, top three team in the country, You know, wherever you want to put them. Um, they are the best team in the conference, and they showed that against Ohio State. So Ohio State will be looking to bounce back this weekend, and Michigan – I mean, they're jacked, they're pumped, coming off their first win of the season. Um, On Thursday's podcast, I said they had only had one Big Ten win. So 
This is their third Big Ten win, I believe. They beat Penn State back in 2018. Um, I believe it was in overtime. And then they beat Ohio State um, in 2019 to end the season. So this is their third Big Ten win. Obviously didn't have Big Ten play um, last season in 2020. So um, big props to Kevin Connolly and you know, his Michigan Wolverines. Um, big victory for them there. Um, yeah, 2018, they beat Penn State. Um, and then 2019, they beat Ohio State. So uh, big props to him. Uh, Coach Connolly and his squad there um, on being able to get that win. Um, I, you know, I said against Ohio State, they looked good. And you know, judging off what I saw of Penn State against um, Johns Hopkins, this was a very winnable game for Michigan. Um, I didn't necessarily go out there and say, they're going to win this one because Penn State still has, um, I would say, more experience, more talent um, in certain positions. But Michigan, um, you know, they showed up. They did what they needed to do, and they won the game. Congrats to them. Uh, huge props to them. I wasn't able to watch the game, but um, I have watched some highlights and things like that. Um, so, and obviously, the, the box score essentially tells the whole story, um, uh, most of the story in this one uh, game of runs there. So uh, big props to Michigan for that one. Virginia, they took a 9-5 to lead early in the third. It's 7-4 to at half, 9-5 to early in the third. It looks like, okay, Virginia is going to Coast this one down the stretch a bit. Um, beat Robert Morris. Put the Colonials away just as we thought they would. You know, RMU, thanks for showing up. You, you know, put up a good fight. Uh, you know, obviously being within four of a top five, or what are they, top ten team now, um, it, it, it is nothing to scoff at. Um you know, good effort from them, uh, good squad they got there. However, uh, the Colonials said, "No, no, no, we're gonna, we're gonna tie this dang thing." And um, yeah, they put together a three-goal run midway through that third, which cut it to nine to eight. And uh, that's when a lot of people started tuning into the game, saying, "Like, oh man, this th th this could really happen." And um, you know, each side found the back of the net in the final few minutes of the third, um, and, and that made uh, a Cavaliers ten to nine lead heading into the final uh, final frame. And right out of the gate in the fourth, you have Corson Keeley who had a fantastic game um, with a hat trick for for Bobby Moe, uh, ties things up at at ten. And, uh, I, you know, that's when Virginia kind of said, okay, enough's enough. We're putting you all away. And they uh, are able to pull out the win there. 14 uh, to 10, I believe, was the final um, on that one. 
if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, pull this up here. 14 to 12. Okay, that was the final. Yeah, because Jimmy Perkins got the final two goals. He had two goals there um, late in the game to get Bobby Moe to 12. Um, the biggest takeaway here was P.D. Lasala dominant at the faceoff dot, 82%. Uh, Bobby Moe was able to kind of counter him at certain points, but for the most part, it was the P.D. Lasala show at the faceoff dot. Uh, Virginia dominated that area. Like I said, RMU got some wins when they needed to, but um, for the most part, Lasala did his did his thing. Um, and Doc Sakin, um, the the uh, the broadcaster said uh, it's like the uh, what do you say the the, the Docs? Um, let's, let's pull this up. I, I know I put it on Twitter. Um, fantastic call, by the way. I don't know who was calling the game, but. Um, Let's see. Pull it back up here. Yeah, the Docs Zilla has the Docs Zilla awoken finally, um, and he did, man. Like Docs Aiken woke up this game. He finally looked like Docs Aiken. Um, defenses are gonna want to double pull Docs Aiken now, um, just as they had previously. Um, obviously, you know, coming back after playing football in the fall or practicing football in the fall, I should say. Um, you know, took him a bit to get back in the groove. Um, had his best game of the season. Um, came up huge for uh, the Cavaliers in this one with a hat trick there. Uh, Peyton Cormier had five goals and one assist in this one as well. So um, them two absolutely, you know, took over this offense. And and Doc Aiken, he made some plays down the stretch that you were just like, okay, okay, he, he's back. He's ready to go. Um, you know, the one that stands out to me, I, th- I think, is the one in the third. I believe it was the third. He uh, sp- splits the double team and just takes it right, you know, right down the middle. No, no fear, straight into the heart of the defense, and and just puts it away. Um, this fantastic game from Doc Sakin. I I think really the dominance of him and Cormier. And Lasala at the dot really put Virginia over the top. And um, I know that the, the the broadcasters made a big, or the, at least the one broadcaster made a big deal of Charlie Botron does not have a goal and he ends his streak um, of not having a goal. Um, he had a goal um, every single game of his college career up to this game. So he, he ends that streak or whatever, but. Um, you know, you know, I, I, you know, obviously if they got the win. I, I would assume he cares much more about getting the win there. Um, but Virginia, um, they get it done down the stretch. Uh, a little scared there for a minute, but uh, they turned on the gas, uh, stepped on the pedal, if you will, and uh, put it away down the stretch. Jimmy Perkins, Ryan Smith um, looked fantastic in this game for Bobby Moe. Uh, Perkins with seven points. Three goals, um, a hat trick in that one, and four assists. Ryan Smith, five points, three goals, two assists. Um, he looked absolutely, uh, both those guys looked really good, especially down the stretch there. I mentioned Perkins had those two late goals, and um, if they would have had another minute or so, they probably could have tied it up again um, with, with how they looked. Um, in those final two minutes of play, but 
Virginia put it away kind of middle of the fourth there to secure the uh, 14-12 to 12 victory uh, for the Cavaliers in Charlottesville. Another game here, I guess the last game I'll talk about here is um, Delaware. Aggressive comeback, I, I will say. Um, was able to go back and watch this one, and obviously the uh, the Delaware offense did their thing when they needed to late in the game. The Delaware attack, I should say. Um, Charlie Kitchen with a hat trick and two assists. Um, Ty Coates had one goal to assist. Uh, Matt Kilkeely, another good game for him. 11 saves in cage. Um, they got blasted at the faceoff dot by Shane uh, Santora. Uh, 50% there. And then James Alvisanto, uh played well for uh, Towson with two goals and three assists. Andrew Milani with three goals there. But um, Towson really looked good early on. Um, it's a 7-3 Towson lead at the end of the first. Uh, that offense just you know, came right out of the gates, running full speed ahead. And then in the second quarter, they were able to push it to 9-5. to five. Um, but Delaware was able to do essentially the reverse of that, um, meaning the second they were a second half team in this game. Um, they were able to force the comeback, monumental two monumental runs in the second half that really um, allowed them to put things away. Uh, four straight from the 9:53 mark in the third through the 13.50 mark in the fourth uh, to make it a 10-9 game. And then while Towson was able to answer with two of their own, Blue Hens get three straight, um, including two from Cam uh, Achion. Uh, good game for him to tie things up. Uh, Charlie Kitchen had the game tying and game winning goal for Delaware. So, uh, Delaware shows, um, I felt this was a good game for Delaware, and I, I, I guess we'll lead in uh, from that game into kind of uh, a, a bit of a conference-by-conference conference look, and we'll start with the with the CAA. Um, you know, Delaware with this one, I think, showed the fight that they needed to show um, in terms of proving you know, where they stand, proving their worth in the CAA. Obviously, only one loss on the year uh, to that Mount St. Mary's team where they didn't have Kitchen um, there. They didn't have – who else did they not have? Um, Jake Hovada was not there. Um, they were missing a couple guys uh, in that one against Mount St. Mary's. The opener, after having that one against Delaware, canceled. Um, but since then, I mean, Delaware has looked – fantastic this season. Um, you know, just putting up goal after goal after goal every single game, putting up points. Um, really good offense. Uh, Going to be exciting to see what they do in the postseason um, in the CAA tournament. Those 6-1 and one through 7 games, uh, they've played the most, well, actually Towson's 2-5 and five through 7, so um, them and Towson have played the most games of any CAA team. Uh, UMass is only two and zero, 
Um, you got Drexel at one and two, Hofstra at three and one, and Fairfield at two and three. Um, Hofstra has yet to play a CAA game. Obviously, they're on a COVID pause right now. We'll see how they look coming out of that. But early season, they kind of looked like maybe um, some people underestimated them in certain areas. Um, obviously, they don't have much of a defense um, compared to what we've seen from UMass. But um, no, I, it does kind of look like Delaware, Hofstra, certainly in their first however many games, have asserted themselves as the top two, with UMass obviously being in there, but only being two games into the season, the 2-0 and in conference play with both of those games being in conference. Um, no, they're still kind of coming into their own, but um, they looked really good on Saturday again um, against Drexel, 13-7 win. They beat Fairfield 13-9 in the opener. Uh, we've seen Matt Note return to form. Uh, Devin Spencer, uh, really excited, uh, really happy with, with with how he's been playing. Uh, Jeff Trainer, another guy that's been playing well through the first two games of the season. So when you look at the CAA, even with UMass having two games under their belt and not every team playing the same amount of games, obviously, this year, I think, you know, certainly Delaware and Hofstra have asserted themselves among the elite. I think UMass, you certainly have to put there um, just to begin with. I think they're the deepest, most talented team in the conference. Um, We'll be interested to see, because who do they play this weekend? They play play Albany um, on midweek in that non-con game, and they play Hofstra. Um, this weekend, which will be a big, uh, big CAA showdown there. So that one will definitely be one worth circling. Um, we have Delaware with an off week, and they play Fairfield. Uh, they don't play UMass till the last game of the season. They don't play Hofstra until the third to last game of the season. They do play Towson again, and they do play Drexel once, as well as uh, Fairfield again um, in two weeks. As I mentioned, they've already played Fairfield once this season. So CAA kind of shaping up to be essentially what we thought it was going to be. Still five, six, seven weeks left in the season to see how things are going to shake out, obviously, but as things stand now, kind of uh, you know, a lot of what we expected from the CAA. Um Moving over to, I'll go to the Big Ten here. So, moving over to the Big Ten, what we have seen, I think, the past two weekends, really the entire season, you could probably say this, but we've seen Maryland pull away. We've seen Maryland pull away. Their head and shoulders, the best team in the conference. Now, what's that second tier look like? I think you certainly have to put Rutgers into that picture. I think you certainly have to put um, Ohio State into that picture. However, Ohio State and Johns Hopkins, I'm very confused on what these teams are. Um, 
Rutgers, you know, took down Johns Hopkins this weekend, 15 to 9, pulled away late. Ohio State obviously lost to Maryland. They beat Michigan by three. They've lost to Penn State. They've lost to Rutgers. They beat Hopkins. They've got Michigan again this weekend. Hopkins has Penn State again this weekend after beating them 13 to 6 two weekends ago. I should say this coming weekend because um, it's still Sunday. But um, so for me, Maryland, Rutgers are your clear top two. I think there's a gap, a pretty big gap, between Maryland and Rutgers right now. Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights, are still building. They are still improving. So we'll see how they look um, late in the season. And they have Maryland back on the schedule. Obviously, every every team playing each other twice. Uh, We got Rutgers-Maryland again this weekend. So that's one everybody and their mother better be circling in the Big Ten. That one is actually on Sunday, a little Sunday night lacrosse in the Big Ten. So I think the Big Ten is pretty set in, not set in stone, set in stone at the top. That, that middle tier, though, I mean, look, there's still one, two, three, five weeks of the season left. In theory, Penn State can rebound, get back in there in that second tier. Michigan could do that. I don't think I don't think either of those teams will, but they certainly could. Now, as far as the one team that will be left out, excuse me, the uh, two teams that will be left out of the Big Ten tournament, you know, coming in the season, I said Hopkins, Michigan. Right now, it looks like Hopkins is in. It looks like Ohio State's in. You know, which one of those teams gets that second, gets that third and that fourth seed? We have no clue. No clue. So that that race there for that second tier. Uh, well, I think, no, Maryland is a class of their own. And then you have Rutgers as the second tier. I'd say probably 2A and then 2B is what we're looking at. Hopkins, Ohio State. Who's the best team amongst those two? And then you have Michigan and Penn State down there at the bottom battling it out for, you know, fourth and fifth place. Or what? Fifth and sixth place, excuse me. I can't count. Not very good at math. If uh, y'all have been listening on for a while, you, uh, <laughs> y'all likely know that. Um, Let's move on here to the the ACC. We haven't seen a ton of conference play yet. Um, Duke has yet to play a conference game. Notre Dame's yet to play a conference game. Virginia's 0-2. UNC's 1-0. Syracuse is 1-0. Obviously, both those teams beating Virginia. They will see each other. So, really, ACC play starts this weekend, essentially, with... Um, you have Virginia and Notre Dame, and then you have uh, Virginia plays Carolina on the 10th, April 10th, 
and then Duke on the 15th, Syracuse on the 24th. So uh, in the ACC play for some teams is a bit more spread out than others um, this season. Notre Dame will, let's go see here. Notre Dame, they have straight ACC through the end of the season from this weekend on. Um, and I think the uh, from what I saw, Duke is the same way. Uh, yeah, Duke's the same way with uh, they play Carolina three times. That's gonna be that is gonna be fun. I, I'm excited for that one. That that's one of the games. Like once I knew Michael Sowers was going to Duke, and then once we knew, kind of, because we I mean we knew Chris Gray was coming back. Obviously, he was a junior last year. But once we saw Michael Sowers was going to Duke, you know, kind of the um, and, and once we knew. Uh, some of the guys transferring to Carolina, it, you know, UNC Duke, whenever that game, or obviously in this case games, was going to be, um, and the ACC has no conference tournament this year, um, if y'all didn't know that. Whenever those games were going to be, that was like the first one when the schedules came out. First game I circled on both those schedules was Carolina, Duke, uh, you know, because that could be a, we could see those teams play four times if, uh, well, being honest, um, no three in the regular season, one in the NCAA tournament. So um, probably in championship weekend. So that would be uh, certainly um, one of the better series that we've seen. Uh, or could be, obviously we haven't seen them play yet, but could be one of the better series in recent history. Up there with Penn Yale uh, from 2019. All right, so... Um, we're gonna go through the. We're not gonna go through the Big East. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Denver, Georgetown, and then that next year, Villanova, Providence. Exactly what we thought it was gonna be. Nothing has freaking changed. Um, and as I said preseason, flip-flop Georgetown, Denver. Um, however you want. Obviously, Denver beat the Hoyas. Um, and they will play again, and you know, who could win that one? No, uh, no, God knows who could win that one. But um, could be a, a, a Hoyos win, could be another Denver win. We we don't know. Um, so let's move on here to the that that one's self-explanatory. The MAC they've only played. So um, I do want to say the one team in the MAC that has surprised me, probably the team that surprised me the most early in the season is Monmouth. Um, a pleasant surprise from the Hawks. You know, coming in the season, I didn't expect much from them offensively. And we haven't seen much offensively. Um, they had, they've had one double-digit outing, 13-12 against St. Bonaventure this week. Um, they beat Siena 7-6 to and Manhattan 8-5. to um, Connor McClay, Mac. Mac Max Brooks um, have been the top two guys offensively. Um, they've been very good. But I'm not going to go into the mat a ton. Um, besides that, I'm surprised with Monmouth. Pleasantly surprised there. Obviously, St. Bonaventure got that win. Congrats to them. Um, Canisius is 2-1. and one. Manhattan is 2-1. and one. Siena... 0-3, Quinnipiac, 0-1, uh, Marist, 1-0, and then St. Bonaventure and Detroit Mercy are 1-2. Um, 
Melis hasn't played in two weeks. Neither has uh, Quinnipiac, I believe. Uh, let's click those schedule right here real quick. Yeah, they well, I mean, they haven't played in three weeks. Um, well, yeah, three weeks because the game this weekend was uh, on the 13th was canceled and on the 20th was canceled. So they haven't played in three weeks uh, as is Marist. Um, so hopefully those two squads are back on the field sooner rather than later. Um, Siena's 0-3 and Monmouth's 3-0, you know, the only. Uh, and Canisius and Manhattan have played three as well. So, um, oh, no, actually, no. I'll tell that back. Every team has played three games except for Marist and Quinnipiac. I was thinking uh, there's some teams that only played two. Uh, I was playing a trick on me there. Um but uh, Marist, obviously with them not having played a lot, um, I don't want to talk about the MAC um, outside the fact that Monmouth, y'all have surprised me. Congratulations um, on the strong start. The NEC is interesting, man. The NEC is interesting. So um, Hobart, obviously, 2-1. and one. I think they're still the best team in the conference. They obviously haven't played a ton. But I would say, like, the two teams that have... And, and I, I thought Bryant was going to make the tournament. Um, I thought, you know, coming into the season, I thought the kind of the top four, if you will, in the conference were Hobart, St. Joseph's, Bryant, and Mount St. Mary's. And I thought LIU was on the outside looking in. And they could possibly flip with Mount St. Mary's. Now, Mount St. Mary's is 0-2 in conference. LIU is 3-0. LIU is 4-1 in conference play. 3-0 in conference play. Uh, I mean, 4-1 overall. 3-0 in conference play. They've been really good. This season, I think one of the teams that people are surprised by the most. Um, I certainly didn't call them to be as good as they are. Um, I thought they were going to be much improved, uh, but I, I, you know, no, I certainly am surprised with how good they are, um, how well they've played this season. Um, again, I thought they were going to be a lot uh, improved. I thought they were going to win some games that would probably surprise some people, uh, but I did not think they were going to beat Hobart um, like they did. Um, I thought, you know, maybe they'll get one, two losses in conference. It would probably be Hobart and you know, a Mount St. Mary's or a St. Joseph's um, or a Bryant. Um, they've beaten Sacred Heart twice. They've beaten Wagner uh, pretty bad. They've beaten Hobart. Um, they lost to Sacred Heart in their first game of the season, and they took a lot from that and have learned a lot from that, it looks like. Uh, and I've watched every single one of their games, and they've absolutely looked fantastic. So uh, huge props to the Sharks and what they've been able to do this season. Uh, Bryant, another team that has looked very well, uh, very good, I should say, since the start of the season beating Providence 9-8 to in that defensive battle. Um, obviously, the one loss to Stony Brook, which Stony Brook will get to the 
AE here in a second. Um, it, it is a very good team. So right now, I would say the NEC is looking exactly like people thought it would be, except for the fact that LIU and Mount St. Mary's are flipped at the moment in terms of standings, I would say, and in, in, in where people thought they would be, and the fact that Hobart lost to LIU. So outside of LIU, in terms of the top four, five teams, um, outside of LIU being 3-0, I, I don't think there's many surprises in that conference at all. Um, going back to the America East, it's pretty much how people expected it to be. Stony Brook, UMBC, Albany, Vermont. Vermont's 3-0. I think all I think Vermont beating Albany the way they did, you know, surprised some people. Um, and, and I would probably say Vermont's the best team in the conference at the moment uh, from how they've played. Uh, Stony Brook, I, I think, is probably, um, I, I would say, you know, take your pick of Stony Brook and Albany um, for second best and then UMBC, uh, you know, be that third team. Um, obviously Binghamton, UMass Lowell, Hartford, and NJIT, we knew were going to be kind of on the outside looking in, if you will, as far as conference tournament. Um, conference tournament is concerned, and, and as of right now, where we stand in late March, that, that seems to be how things are looking in the America East. So not many surprises there. Um, I think Vermont looks a lot better offensively than we might have thought they were going to. And obviously, um, Thomas uh, McConvey, uh, big part of that one. Michael McCormick, big part of that. Lamojas, Klosterman, um, so absolutely fantastic players there um, that have stepped up or continued their, uh, to progress um, this season in the wake of you know, having to replace a lot, especially McCormick, uh, you know, coming over from uh, Middlebury as a D3 transfer to D1. Um, he has stepped into that role and, and been very, very well, been very good for Vermont. Uh, very, very happy to see that. Always love seeing the D2, D3 guys transfer up to D1 and absolutely killing it. Um, and he certainly won't doing that. Um, when you look at the Amer- at the uh, Patriot League, it's always a freaking mess, um, and, and that's what it looks like to me right now, um, a freaking mess. Um, Loyola, Lehigh, Army, Boston U are the top four. Obviously, Navy hasn't played in a few weeks, so um, and they, they're only two games in, so I, I think it's a bit too early to kind of um, pinpoint where things are looking at in the Patriot League other than the fact that kind of the teams we thought were going to be there are the ones that are there. Um, Lehigh taking down Loyola for the first time um, in program history. Uh, certainly um, a good site for the Mountain Hawk program, um, a good milestone for the Mountain Hawk program. Um, and, and I think Lehigh, I would probably put them at the top of the conference at the moment. Um as far as the favorite um, coming in, you know, it looked like Loyola, Loyola, Lehigh, either of those two. Army was that third team there, and they haven't played in a while either. 
um, having their past two games postponed. So both the service academies, we, you know, I had high expectations for coming in. Um, and I remember saying about Navy, like, I, I don't know exactly what to expect offensively, but I know that defense is going to be pretty good. And I know at least the midfield was going to be good. Obviously, the question in Cage there um, with that gaping hole with um, uh, Ryan Kern graduating, but uh, Spencer Lease has stepped in and uh, provided solid play in between the, in between the pipes. Um, Boston U has just been putting up gaudy numbers uh, the past two weeks, uh, getting a win 16-11 over Colgate yesterday. Timmy Lay, Vince DeAlto have been very good offensively. Matt Garber has been a solid, uh, a steady presence there. And Cage obviously having to replace Joe McSorley. Um, no program, uh, program great, I would say, at Boston U and Cage. So uh, Patriot League, still some look, obviously everywhere still, uh, about a month, a month and a half, two months, uh, if you will, of lacrosse to be played, month and a half, I should say, of lacrosse to be played uh, regular season-wise. But it, it's still a bit, uh, the Patriot League is always messy, and it's messy again this year. Uh, but from what, I, what I've seen, what I've watched, what I've seen with my own two eyes using the eye test, the teams that we thought would be there are, are, are doing just that. Looking at the SoCon, um, you know, I, I got to watch Richmond over the weekend. They beat Bellarmine, uh, what was that, 17-5 to or something like that? Um, yeah, 17-5. And, and, and Bellarmine you know, had a good showing in the first quarter, uh, first, well, I would probably say first 10 minutes of the game. Um, and then the talent took over, which was expected. And Richmond is the most talented team in the conference. Um, not going to argue against that. That's just a fact. Um, and, you know, Bellarmine, that was their first conference game. Mercer has had two conference games. Um, Richmond has had two games, though 2-0. Jacksonville has had one conference game. Uh, as we're recording this, the Jacksonville Mercer game was going on, as I mentioned. Uh, the Dolphins won that one 16-6. So they get their first conference win um, of the season. Uh, Mercer now dropping to 2-0. But I think for the most part, and look, High Point and Air Force have yet to play a conference game. So we'll see how they look. Uh, both conference play this weekend. Um, from what we've seen, it looks like Richmond, High Point, Jacksonville, Air Force. Are you top four, um, as we thought? Um, I think Jacksonville is actually looking a lot better than I thought they would. Um, especially right now, they, they're, they're really seeming to come into their own. Obviously had some tough games early on. North Carolina, Navy, Duke, uh, some tough teams there. Um, they had a... Who they've beaten? Bellarmine, Mercer, Utah and then most so again uh, today. Um, the, the Jacksonville offense I've been very surprised with. Um, 
with what they've done. Obviously, Jack Dolan, Evan Tyler, Jeremy Winston, known commodities. Matt Stagnita, the transfer, um, son of Jim Stagnita, um, has been fantastic. I've really liked what I've seen out of him. And then in goal, Jason uh, Yoquinto has been fantastic in cage for Jacksonville. Um, you know, very, very good start for the Dolphins. With Richmond, I mean, look, we know they're the most talented. I've said that since the end of last season. Like, they are. It's just the fact of the matter. Lanchbury, Young, Connell, I mean, that that's the best attack in the in, in the conference, just hands down. Um and then you look at that midfield, Schultz, uh Savoka hasn't been as good as I thought he would be um this season. It hasn't been as impactful, but he's been good at times. Sean Mingus is the top pole. You've got Russ Bolt and Cage, who never seems to uh disappoint. And then with with high point, you know. We've got some ups and downs there that I think they have a lot they need to address. Um, obviously, if played Carolina twice, Virginia, Duke, I mean, that ain't easy, fam. That ain't easy at all. Um, and they played VMI over the weekend. Actually, yeah, that, that was the first conference game. I said they hadn't played one yet, so they want to know in conference play 20-12. Uh, to 12. Um High point, I think they have some issues on defense they need to address, but offensively, I think Within the conference, they're looking very, very good. So that's just a bit of an overview of uh, where things stand in every conference. Obviously, uh, a lot still to be determined, but um, in some conferences, we're getting down the backstretch here, uh, which is hard to believe. It seems like it was just January 30th um, yesterday, and we were watching, uh, what was that one game, Mercer and, uh, oh, Mercer Bellman on the, uh, the old Periscope stream. Seems like that was just yesterday, but uh, it's March 21st, Sunday. I am Tanner Demling. This is the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Thank you all for listening. As always, you can find us at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. My personal, at Tanner underscore Demling.